everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the I'll Be Back podcast. Uh, we are joined, uh, awesome guest once again, Andy Carl. Andy, thank you so much for doing this uh, out of your busy schedule. Thanks, Sean. Uh, always time for I'll Be Back. Um, so, Andy, got, got a couple things on the dock today. Um, I, I guess we'll start with the, uh, I'm drinking a Miller Lite. We'll start with that. Um, I am drinking the, the last sips of a very large pumpkin spice cold brew from Starbucks. It is it is pumpkin spice season. Nice little fall day here yeah. uh, on a Wednesday. I mean, not quite fall yet, but you know, it, we're I'll getting there. It. We've yeah. escaped the ninety degrees consistency. Yeah. Um, so Duke had a uh, a little bit of a football game against Temple. Temple didn't really play in that game this last weekend, but it happened. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh... I think we might have talked offline and you kind of asked my thoughts on how I felt about the season. And I hadn't even mentioned to you just like thinking about the talent that, you know, that they've lost over the years. I mean, if you, so like, I I mean, I think that most of your listeners probably college football fans in general. And, um, you know, I watched a lot of college football over the kind of four or five day weekend that they had college football playing. And there were a lot of former Temple players playing well across college football. Uh, Todd Santeo um, might have gotten like player of the week in some people's minds. So that was cool. To right. Watch. And so <laughs> I think you've seen a degradation of and an erosion of the roster over the last several years of, of players who have gone elsewhere, um, whether it's, uh, Mesia or Braswell or guys that committed here and then left for whatever reason, decommitted like longer beam at Rutgers or at JMU. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just, there's talent that probably would have been juniors and seniors if there was better continuity or better coaching staff in the past that just aren't there. And, and so you, you know, when we talked about this a little offline, you know, before the season started, I said, Hey, you know, I just don't see the talent backfill that, that is needed to, to have a remotely instant impact. And I think I even said to you, like, is there any guarantee that we're better than UMass? Like everybody just assumes that we're better than UMass. Well, I mean, if you looked at last year, how we ended, there, there was no inclination that there was going to be enough talent on this roster to be anything more than a kind of a bottom of the barrel team in the nation. And so, you know, that's where UMass resides, but I don't know enough about what UMass did this offseason to just assume that, you know, Temple is just better than UMass because of, you know, the names next to the, you know, the, the widget on the scoreboard. And I think a lot of that came to fruition on Friday night, watching them against Duke. Um, there yeah, is it's, an immense lack of talent roster and depth. Um, and that, that isn't no fault. You know, I'm sure Stan and staff tried to backfill as quickly as they could repair it. But I think that they knew uh, that there was going to be um, a long process of rebuild for, for this to get even remotely back to what it was. And there are a lot of people that are trying to point to like Al Golden's couple of first years of struggles or Matt's first year in struggles. I still think that is a completely different situation than what we are facing right now. When Matt came in, 
he had a you know a recruiting class that was pretty decent but he also had some players that were you know that played on a bowl game two years prior um that were under steve adazio i think steve adazio left a roster in much better place for matt than than rod did for stan um and I can't really speak to like what Bobby Wallace left for Al Golden. Um, and that is such a different point in time in college athletics in general. Um, you know, there were a lot more JUCOs that were used to, to quick fix things. And, you know, with the transfer portal now, it's, it's, it's a quick fix, but it also could be a quick demise of, of talent on your roster. And so um It'll be interesting to see how the rebuild shapes. I think everybody wants to see the effort be there, um, but it's really tough to see effort sometimes when you're just can't get anything together on offense uh, and the defense is just getting pushed around because the size is there. I mean, if you looked at the, at the players that we played against comparative to what our roster looked like, I mean, there were some kids that were playing linebacker and stuff that weren't even like filling out their jerseys, right? Like college and pro football players have skin tight jerseys that they can't even get off themselves because it's so beneficial. And like, we had some kids that like just had like loose looking jerseys. And I know that's a weird anecdote to like point out. It makes but sense though. <laughs> but you know, like the last time I saw that is like when I attended like my high school alma mater's football game where like the jerseys are just handed out based on positions and like, they don't fit you properly. That's just something that I saw. Like, and I know that's like a weird thing to say, but I mean, we just look smaller and uh, across the board. And, and so, you know, kind of to, to borrow what like Forrest Gump said, like, and that's all I have to say about that. Like it was just, <laughs> It was really bad. There wasn't a lot of positives. Um, and I'm not going to like any, any like mediocrity of positivity that there was there. I'm not going to like highlight that. It, it just, no, it was bad. It was really bad football. Um, yeah. I, I know um, Stan tried to bring up how in the second half, they only give up two field goals. And it's like, ah, I mean, at that point, it's really hard to judge if Duke was even trying. Cause they already, I think they were fairly respectful in the second half and like, we're not going to run it down your throats completely. So I really don't like, I'm not saying that's a win. I, I get for Stan's sake, he has to say that, but I'm not like, I didn't leave that game in the second half. Like, Oh, we're doing much better. Like I, I mean, it sucks. And uh, the experience overall was great going down to the game. Yeah. How was that? I mean, I, I heard that the tailgate was pretty good. Um, tailgate had, was had... phenomenal. Like the the alumni Al, Al club tailgate was great. Rob Silk was there, had a great time with talking to hang out with him the night before the game and then the day of the game. Uh, you know, some usual suspects were there. Darren was there, Temple Terrors. Um, had a really good talk with Detroit Al, who I know listens to the show. Uh, finally got to meet, you know, some people in person like that. Um, a couple of the, the Mohan family was there. They were, you know, got to talk to them, who I know they listen to the show. So it, it was really good experience just going down and I thought Temple actually did a decent job traveling so like before the game it's like hey we actually have a solid crew here you know we're, we're not like let's see what happens in the game and then yeah the game happened um and I, I like I said like it's you know the the small mediocrity of success that you might want to bring up like um the first drive we had when it was third and like six and they went ran a wide receiver reverse or jet sweep whatever it was and it was fumbled 
it just felt immediately like last year. Like it just was like, uh oh, here we go. We would three and out, basically just couldn't even. You saw gain. a lot of unforced errors. Yeah, um, it, it know, was like bad from off returns that are being taken out when they're giving you a free twenty five yards to start on the twenty five, uh, and and you're and and you're starting on the four or five yard line because of an ill advised kickoff return. I understand someone trying to make something happen, but um, be smart. Uh, yeah, you just that's those are the things that you want to see, right? Like, okay, you can't make kids be 350 pounds or six foot six. You have the roster that you kind of have, but you can instill in them some emotional intelligence and some wherewithal in game situations. And that's what I didn't see. And that was concerning. Um and you yeah, you kind of you kind of talked earlier about how, you know, are we even better than UMass? And I think. I want to say, you know, on paper we should be, but, you know, when the, you know, two weeks ago when a lot of the national rankings came out and people did one through 131 and you saw Temple at 120 or 122, and I knew a lot of Temple fans that were like kind of insulted about it, like, oh, like they're just sleeping on us. And it's like, well, we did have like, I think we can all agree Rod Carey is the worst coach in the last 25 years at Temple. And you can agree that we had a lot of roster attrition and we had a in negative way. It wasn't like we were bringing in studs and based on a three and nine season last year and you know people try to give passes for the COVID year but I think the two-year window looking at all as abroad it, it shows it was just a really bad two years together so based off all that Friday night losing to Duke makes a lot of sense I think it's just it's tough to admit it as a fan you don't want to admit it and as you know I'm sure Stan Drayton he's doing all the right things I think so far Right. Until and somebody said this to me before the game. He's done everything right so far. Will it translate to wins? And I said we will find out in a couple hours. But you knew, like you, you know, you mentioned that it's going to be a long rebuild. I think Stan, part of Stan, might have already knew that. You know, part of Stan might have known it is he, a rebuild. Listen, he he or, came from now. Texas may not be what Texas was, but he's come from a legitimate program. He knows what talent that can win football games looks like. He knew when he walked into this situation that that there was a lack of talent. I mean, I, I think I've talked to enough people involved in the program that I think internally they knew that there was a lack of talent across the board. You know, they may have a, a bright spot here or there, but uh, but for the most part that there was a need um, to overhaul the roster. And so you, you've got to hope that they keep the developmental pieces that they see and you hope that they turn over the roster and recruit, you know, they're not going to go out and get four-star kids to come to a program that is really, really, you know, looking rough right now. They need to go about what they've done in the past, which is find kids that fit a system um, that have measurables that maybe are kind of under recruited and overlooked. And now they have to face a situation where not only do you get them into the program and get luckily that you hit on them, but then when you do develop them, now you got to hope that they don't leave the program once you do develop them in the transfer portal or because of NIL. And so um, it is a new world. Uh, it is a world that does not um, benefit programs like Temple in a re rebuilding uh, and repairing mode. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I don't want to go... <laughs> too negative um 
it's it's hard not to because i mean i didn't even want to talk about it like the drive home it's so, so cliche but my mom i mean my mom went down she's the drive home she's like this is gonna be a long drive home for those kids like it's not yeah, pretty it's, um, after that loss you know yeah I, I i think that there were it was an interesting week of practice probably um, um but you you mentioned nil and that is something the temple is dealing with and you are the guy to talk about it so you uh, last week officially announced the Tough Fund, T-U-F-F Fund. Um, so what can you tell us about that, Andy? That's something I know uh, off air you've been hinting at to me. And it's been surreal. I'm not going to lie. It's been actually tough doing shows and not say anything about it because it's just it is exciting. Um, so what can you tell our fans about that and how they should get involved and how that can help these programs? Sure. So I'll give you a little background. Um you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast are fairly familiar with NIL, name, image, and likeness. I um, mean, it's allowed student athletes across the uh, across the nation at various universities to to monetize their their brand, if you will. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of ways that folks have supported student athletes. Maybe um, some that are a little bit more scrutinized than others. Uh, and, and so I've probably been following this for a few years now. Um, I think like all the way back in like 2018 is when schools started hiring brand folks. Um, I think Nebraska uh, started working with Influencer in like 2018, which was kind of positioning the student athletes to prepare their brand um, <clears throat> for outside exposure. And then Last year, on July 1st, um, the floodgates kind of opened and, and uh, the NCAA basically said, have at it, um, when they were told that they didn't really have the ability to, to stop anything. And so you've seen um, different legislature across uh, various states in the United States. Um, and so last year, July 1st, you know, I had kind of already thought about a collective type situation prior to it being formally um, like uh, allowed by the NCAA last year on July 1st. And then I, what I saw was things start to come to fruition across the country where collect, I mean, the, the, the term collective was coined and they popped up all over the place. Um, I had reached out to the athletic department to see uh, last July what was being done internally, externally to be able to, to kind of be at the forefront of this. And, and there really wasn't a whole lot being done. Um, and so over the last, I would say six months um, is where I really, um, I would say took the initiative to try and set something up to at least put Temple in the conversation and, and bring things to the plate where if, if people truly cared and, and had the propensity um, and the passion to get involved in something like this, that there was something in place to do. So, you know, I, I had reached out to a few folks that uh, were interested in, in creating something. And once I kind of got enough commitment financially to say, hey, like, this is something we want to do, um, I, I began the process of working uh, through a, 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 a temple friend of mine who works at a, um, a, a law firm in Philadelphia called Blank Rome, and, and they have a NIL kind of space that, that you know, they're at the forefront of. 
And through all of that, you know, I identified early on that I thought the most beneficial way to set up a collective or fund, if you will, is to, to make it a 501c3 nonprofit. And so the benefit of that is one, it, it provides a charitable aspect to all of the endeavors that we're involved in. And two, um, it, it's tax deductible for folks that want to make a large impact or small impact. It's tax deductible so that there is a benefit um, to being a participant and supporter of the tough fund. And so um, over the last few months, I've been working with Blank Rome to set that up properly through the IRS and through all of the state and governmental agencies and, and got it to a point where um, that, that was in place. At the same time, I come to find out that there was um, a few other folks that were interested in doing something like this um, that were kind of at the very beginning of their process and um, one of them being Seth Goldblum. And Seth uh, was put in contact with me and you know he was in the process of, of trying to start some sort of NIL opportunity. And because I kind of had the blueprint already, we decided to kind of create um, what is now the Tough Fund. Um, and so, uh, Seth is a is a passionate um, a, a passionate donor and alum. Uh, I think he graduated in 1993. Saw a lot of good years with men's basketball, um, and, and also is, is fairly successful in his career. And, and wanted to 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 be able to kind of meld all those things and and formulate something like this, along with several other folks that I've that I've had discussions with. And so, um, what came of all that was. Um, we, you know, formed a board and, um, and then uh, launched the, the Tough Fund last week. And so created a website and logo and bank accounts and all sorts of legal documents to protect both the donors and ourselves and make sure that we were in compliance uh, via conversations with the athletic department to make sure that everything that we had in place was copacetic uh, compliance wise uh, announced it um, and saw really great feedback. Um, so in the last week, you know, we, we've had, um, I've done interviews with the Philadelphia Inquirer um, and with Black Cager Sports, which is really in tune with the <clears throat> Philadelphia and surrounding areas basketball scene. Um, and I've had really great conversations with a lot of folks um, and I've seen really, really solid donations. I mean, we, we are um, well into the five figures. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I encourage everyone to just because they're not giving a thousand or $10,000, you know, we, we, and we've seen those checks, um, you know, I've, those checks have already been deposited. Uh, even if it's 10 or $25 a month, right? where we know that we have this baseline of a, a donor base that every month we know that we're gonna have this amount. Um, you know, like I, I, like I told someone else, you know, this Starbucks that I'm holding right here is six bucks. If I just don't drink that a few times a month and put it towards the tough fund, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, one or two or $300 that you don't even know is gone that you set up in a recurring donation. Um, and it really truly is impactful. And, and, and you know, I can speak to our goal. Our, our, our goals are kind of a fewfold. Um, we want to impact every team uh, in some capacity via NIL at Temple University. So I think it's 19 
varsity uh, sports, we want to have an NIL agreement with at least one student athlete from every team, if not multiple. Um, and then we also want to really and truly impact the North Philadelphia, greater Philadelphia communities, um, and then also the communities of our student athletes, uh, whether that be Reading, Raleigh, or Russia, you know, it's um, <laughs> maybe not Russia, who knows, uh, and, and, and really empower our student athletes to utilize their name, image, and likeness in a positive aspect. And so I think that we'll have that ability to do that. Um, and I think we'll be able to announce a few things, uh, hopefully here in the next couple of weeks with regards to um, student athletes that we come to agreements with and some events um, and some engagements and initiatives that we're, that we're looking forward to. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we've seen a, a great deal of donor reaction, um, you know, and I, and I, and I, am I'm, I'm truly encouraged by it. Um, you know, with the tough fund folks can donate specific, you know, for specific, specific student athletes, teams, um, opportunities, engagements, and initiatives that they want to see if it's a specific thing. And then we've actually seen because of our rollout, a lot of different, um, corporations and entities that have reached out to either want to partner with us as a nonprofit or corporations that want to get involved with some student athletes because they recognize that our student athletes are some of our best representation. Um, and it's not just our, our men's basketball program, our football program, but we have uh, a tremendous women's lacrosse program or fencing program or field hockey program um, that, you know, have, have a great representation of our alumni base and our current student base. Uh, you know, we have over 360,000 alumni. You know, we, we, we're in the fourth largest media market. Um, you know, I think a third of the, the, the national population is within a day's drive of Philadelphia. So we have this market that we, I, I really think we have an untapped um, relationship with. And I think um, that if we, if, that we position um, our student athletes properly, that um, we can leverage their name, image, and likeness to, to really truly generate impact in our community um, and with our student athletes um, from a branding perspective. And so, um, you know, I'm excited about what has transpired over the last six months, six days, and then I'm, you know, excited to see where it takes us. Um, you know, there, there are some ongoing things that are happening in the background that I'm really excited about. Unfortunately, we, you know, nothing's official, so we can't, but I'll make sure that, uh, you know, you're the first one to know when we do do something <laughs> like that. Um, but there are people that really care and want to get involved and just need a vehicle for that. And so we're hoping that we can provide that vehicle, whether it's through funds um, or time or their talent. You know, there are, there are people in the media that want to be involved. There are people in corporate settings that want to be involved. And so um, there are a lot of people that I, that I think that will be able to, to impact, you know, it's, <clears throat> I, I, I'm sure you've had the same experiences, but going to a school in North Philadelphia changed me forever. Um, it, I think it made me uh, a more well-rounded person. And, um, and I think it does that for most of the students and student athletes that go to Temple. And, um, I think some of the special things that make North Philadelphia unique are the people that that are in the community. And I think that despite what some people view as a tenuous relationship, I think 
that it is nothing but a positive relationship and can be a more positive relationship. And we have that ability to utilize our student athletes as a vehicle for that. And so, um, you know, I, I'm excited about the opportunities. Um, I, I know that some of the student athletes are excited about, about being able to move forward. I, and I, I, I think um, we have some, some potential donors that are also really excited about the opportunity that NIL has um, to be able to make an impact um, both on and off campus. Yeah, and I really was just excited to find out the story of how it all did come together. Uh, you know, as I said, uh, been waiting for this, you know, official announcement for a couple of months. You've, you've hinted at one or two things about it in the past, and it was tough to keep quiet because it is something that we need as a college. Like, I mean, to survive in college sports now, you you do need it. So uh, to just know that it was in the process of happening, and you're right, last July, it was just kind of like, it's here free for all. And some schools were prepared and, you know, for lack of a better word, Temple wasn't fully prepared. Um, so they're, they're finally getting on the boat. Um, I know the day that you officially, you're like, all right, now you can talk about it. Like there was a, the grand announcement last uh, Tuesday at like 10, 10 30 in the morning. I sent it the link to like 20 people. And I said, if you want us to be good at sports, click this link. Like that's the gist of it. Um, but and no, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. I mean, th this is until the federal government or whatever entity reigns this in, um, this is the world in which we live in. And we can embrace it and view it as an opportunity or we can shun it and pretend like it's not there and be relegated. I was going to say, and then you just can't complain place. when you lose to Duke 30, nothing, you know, right. Like, um, pick and, one or the other. You know, <laughs> NIL can't cure everything. I, I think you're you're seeing that because I think there's going to be a lot of teams probably down south that have invested a lot of money in a roster that go four and eight this year that spent a lot of money and a lot of the donors are going to step away. What we want to build with this is a fund that annually has an amazing mission that impacts our community and our student athletes holistically on and off the field or court um, or pommel horse or whatever, wherever the competition takes place. Um, and that can be built upon year after year after year. And it's a sustained, beneficial, multi-purpose fund that benefits and impacts literally thousands of people. I think we have like something like 565 student athletes, 19 teams, but more importantly, we have a city of millions of people and, and a community surrounding the university of hundreds of thousands of people that I think we can impact. Um, and, and that's the goal. I mean, it, you know, there, there are some, some nonprofit or 501c3 collectives, if you will, that, you know, I think we'll, we potentially could be lumped into because of, of, of some of the, I guess, lack of compass that they have. But I, I truly believe that um, we have the ability to to really be a guiding light for 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 um, impactful giving, and um, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and uh, you know, I my you kind of already hinted at it. My uh, one major question was going to be like, how has the response been already? And it sounds like you guys in the first week have gotten some good donations of you know high quality donations, high quantity of donations. Um, so off to a good start and, you know, hopefully it only can increase from here. Um, and I guess, you know, you've mentioned the alumni. Um, if you go through, people don't realize like there are some pretty prominent alumni, just it's still in Philly. So it's nice to know that. Um, and hopefully those guys get involved as well. 
Yeah. Um, I'd be remiss if I said that we didn't have some people that we're talking to that I think could make tremendous impacts, like needle moving impacts. And, you know, they may want to be publicized. They may not want to be, but I think, um, I think what we're doing speaks to a lot of folks that are involved at Temple. You know, I think sometimes Temple doesn't like to beat their chest about what they do and how they impact things and what they've succeeded at and what they're involved in. And I think this may, at least personally for me, I despise that mentality. Like, I think we should be braggadocious and, and boastful and proud. And I think people that are involved in this fund, fund should do the same. I've, I've encouraged every single person that has reached out and donated to this fund to talk to others about it. Be proud that you are investing in our community, in our university, in our student athletes. Um, I, you know, <clears throat> a decade ago, I worked in, in, in the Al Club in development and athletics. And, you know, it was my first time ever in fundraising. And, and, you know, when I talked to a donor, I said, you know, a donation to the university in whatever aspect is, a, is, is really a donation to yourself because the university represents who you are and you represent who the university is. You know, I'm sure when Temple beat Penn State, you got a million text messages, right? And there was mm -hmm. nothing better than that. And that's neat. When Temple does something positive, people like you and I are the first ones that are reached out to by folks that are non-Temple affiliated and say, hey, congratulations, or this was really cool to see, you know, I'm watching them on ESPN too, or wow, they're doing something in the community in terms of the health science campus or something like that. So when you put Temple on it in your shoulders, they're also putting you on their shoulders. And so I, I think this is an investment in the future of the university as a whole. And not to say that folks should stop donating to, to, you know, directly to the university or the Al Club or the annual fund or anything like that. Um, I think this is just a different opportunity to invest in. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think that the, the return on investment can, it can be really quantified and seen. And we hope to be boastful and, and project some of the successes that we've had. Um, I'm excited to work with some of our student athletes to get them out into the public and, and build on their brand. And, you know, I think there's some really exciting, unique things that we'll be able to do with our student athletes that maybe some other schools aren't because of the location of where we are, you know, in a major metropolitan area that has, you know, a great media presence and, and a great arts presence and a great nonprofit presence. And so hoping that that takes place and we can get all of that out there publicly in the next weeks and months and, you know, hey, it'd be also nice if we succeeded on the field or on the court, uh, because I think nothing generates buzz and participation more than winning, right? Um, and so, you know, I'm excited for, for things that are taking place on the field and on the court. Our field hockey team is competing. Our women's lacrosse team is competing. Um, our, our fencing team, which is nationally ranked uh, annually, has passed the torch on uh, to, a, to a new coach. And we have a new women's volleyball team. And, and I really am excited about our men's basketball uh, situation this year. You know, And our women's team has kind of a, a dawn of a new era, if you will. And so um, there's a lot of exciting things that are taking place within athletics. We have new leadership, and both for the university and for the athletic department. So 
Um, I, I think with all of that momentum, we really need to, to be at the forefront of it and not hitch our wagon to that success, but be at the forefront of the success and say, like, these are the things that we are doing with our student athletes um, to, to, to make remarkable impact in the community and, and, and elsewhere. Yeah, and it's, uh, you've, you've just mentioned all the different leadership and that we've gone through the changes the last couple of years. Um, and that's just, you know, the, the kind of thing in college sports now is, you know, it's what have you done for me lately? And this only adds to that um, mantra. It's like, hey, we, we got to continue it, as you mentioned, you know, multiple ways through the community, on the field, off the field. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really cool to see what you've done the last, you know, behind the scenes. I've known a little bit more for a couple months and, uh, you know, just the last week and having that out there um, and all, all the excitement around it. And it'll be cool to see as you know the football team season goes on if they have a you know i'm just hypothetically saying if they have that next big win after a game like penn state i, I can't imagine the the donations you know that's the things the national spotlight seeing a game like that temple does that so well you're going to be getting calls from people that might not have even watched the temple game in five years so that it's the baby steps like that that we just got to get back to and um hope hope it goes a long way yeah you know i with the fund I wanted to just put the plate in front of people, you know, right? Like it's, it's for lack of, to, to, to break out, like as my most Philly saying is like, put up or shut up, right? If you wanna, if like, I know not everybody is a hedge fund manager or a CEO, but like everybody can do their own part, whether it's sharing something or donating a little bit, but now is the time to act. Um, I think you've seen over, over the last year or two, how quickly the college athletics landscape can change, whether it's NIL or a conference realignment or um, college the football playoff, it, the college <laughs> football playoff expansion. It is changing weekly and we can either adapt or we can die. And that's no um, exaggeration. We could be left behind and left behind for good. And so we need to step up as best we can um, to, to put ourselves in the best position possible to be in the best position possible. And that's it. And, and so this is just one cog of it. You know, obviously you and I aren't recruiting. We're not, uh, cooking the healthy meals for our student athletes so that they have the, you know, the best stamina or endurance or anything like that, but we can do our part, whether it's running a podcast and generating awareness or creating a NIL collective fund, or, or everybody can do their part. And so I, I, I've said this before, it's, it, it comes down to time, talent, or treasure. Some people can um, create their own podcast. Some people have enough time to be able to put together a fund, or, or if you have treasure and it's $10 a month, or it's $1,000 a month, um, everybody has the ability to make an impact. And, and so what an amazing thing it would be if a hundred thousand temple alumni stepped up and made an impact, you know, and it happens at other universities, you know, places get a hundred thousand people together in one stadium and make an impact with their noise on a third intent. Why can't we do it in another space? And, and so the opportunities are now there and, and we need to, we need to take it and run with it. Andy, I 100% agree. And hopefully, hopefully after, you know, spreading the word of this we can get the funding we can get everything else that comes along with it you know 
that's that's the hope, um, you know, and I, I appreciate everyone allowing um, the tough fund to be a steward for the funds to make an impact as best as we see fit. Um, we obviously take suggestions. I've already had folks reach out to us about potential ways to, to impact the community. And we're excited about those opportunities, um, but we're excited about being the stewards for, for this fund um, and telling the stories and the success of it. So, uh, you know, uh, really excited about the future of it. Well, Andy, that all of that is really good stuff. Um, and uh, as we said, you know, hopefully it does uh, help increase the product on and off the field. And um, we, we, I think we as politely went over the game that just happened last Friday. We do have a, a game this Saturday, um, two o'clock Lafayette. Uh, you will be there, correct? I will. I, uh, I think I'm going to come down with my twin four-year-old boys. And so that will be uh dad's first solo venture uh with the twins so we will see how that turns out uh you know i i'd like to think that the outcome of the game should be comfortably in place before kickoff and so this was uh, a, a targeted test run for that um and so let's hope that stays that way <laughs> um no that'll be fun nice little uh you know give them their first uh taste of hopefully temple success <laughs> um and uh anything you're looking for i mean it, it, like i said you know we talked about the duke game and it is what it is at this point is there anything specifically you're looking for against lafayette or you just kind of open everything just comes together and we're we're one and one come saturday night and on to the next one unforced errors i don't want to see procedural you know i want to see everyone lined up properly and it, as as like elementary as it sounds like you got to start somewhere right so like lining up properly, not jumping off sides, not committing a bunch of penalties, being efficient um, on special teams and making the right decisions. Um, you know, I, I uh, not turning the ball over um, and just establishing a bit of continuity, especially on offense. Um, sustained drives, you know, like, you know, quick hitters are great. Don't get me wrong. I'll take points any way we can get them, especially if they're not scoring any in the last, I don't know, 300 days. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, we should be able to physically um, Im impose um, ourselves onto Lafayette. We should be able to run the ball well, establish that, um, keep a clean pocket for uh, Dwan Mathis to – to, to chuck the ball around a little bit. And I think like it's an important game for him, right? Um, because if we don't start clicking on offense against Lafayette. Um, when are you? <laughs> then Yeah, exactly. Then when are you? And so um, I think it's a really, really important game for him. But that being said though, like I'm not, I'm not going to have a parade down broad street if we win 55, nothing like that's what we're supposed to do. Um, you know, obviously we'll have Rutgers the following game and I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but, you know, uh, build a little momentum towards that and um, stay healthy. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's just basically it. I, I, I think, you know, like I said, they're not going to grow to be six foot six and 350 pounds in between the first and second game. But what you need to see is some, some game plan growth and, and um, you know, some growth, both from the coaching perspective and, and, and from the talent on the field. 
Yeah, Mathis is, you know, the the big question mark is, will he be this guy that we thought we were getting? And, you know, last year was so hard to judge him. And then last Friday was, it was just seemed like a disaster all around on offense, whether it was, the, you know, the fumbles, the missed handoffs, the um, O-lines play. Uh, and they, he's got to get it going. And I did bring Patterson in at the end of that game. And I think at this point, it was just kind of like, don't even get Mathis tackled more. Um, so I don't, it wasn't, I don't think we're going to see Patterson uh, against Lafayette unless it's because we are up 55 nothing. Um, but if we lose that game, I don't know if we see Mathis against Rutgers. I don't know if we're at that point yet, but I, I don't yeah, see where like, else. He- I try not to project, right? Yeah. Um, though, I mean, we did struggle against like Wagner for like the first half last year. Um, <laughs> but um yeah you need you need to see points like you need yeah. to see a bunch of points um and and so that that just has to happen um there's no excuse for it and you know uh i keep hearing about mathis deep ball i keep hearing about his ability to scramble and run and i haven't really seen any of that and so like last year i chalked it up to well you can't do the deep ball because the offensive line is bad and i don't know if that has changed all that much um and last year I chalked up to him not being able to scramble that much because of the ankle injury that he sustained in the Rutgers game. And it kind of, I thought it may have lingered, you know, throughout the season. Now I'm like, okay, you can pull the ball down and take off and let's. Yeah. Let's air let's, it out there. Let's, hopefully. <laughs> you know, the, the, they've had an off season now to, to, to kind of game plan. Like if his strength is airing it out, we need a game plan to get him some time to be able to, to get it because, you know, like Adonicus Sanders, he looked like a, a decent player and Barbone's okay. And um, Ahmad Anderson, I think is okay. And so we, we need to be able to get him some time to, to, to get some separation for them. I think it all boils down to the offensive line. Um, and so, you know, we'll see how that, how that goes. I don't, I don't love doing predictions, but I'll ask what, it, like if you had to right now, what are you thinking? Uh. 42-10. All right. I like I was gonna go 31-7. Um I just being there for last Friday, I don't even I I want to score. Yeah, a you 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 the, <laughs> uh, the 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 wound is probably a little fresher than me sitting miserably on my couch and hate watching it for the entire time. Um but uh you know I just think that ultimately we should wear them down and, and be able to score and uh, you know I'm I'm hoping that you know they want to run up you know, score a bunch to kind of get some confidence going into the next week. And at the same time, I think our defense is just not especially stout. So like, you know, they probably will break a touchdown and they'll probably get a turnover and kick a field goal in, in negative territory. Like at the same time, like, you know, I, I can put the ass in assumption. So, so we'll see. Um, I'm ex- You know what I'm more excited about is being able to see people that I haven't seen in a while at a tailgate. I think the weather's supposed to be great. Uh, I'm excited um, for Lock K and uh, to have a pop and to have uh, to see some friends. And so that's exciting. Um, I think that's what college football is all about. You know, I, I had a little bit of envy last week seeing uh, some of the atmospheres out there that, that are just second to none. And so I'm excited to, to get into our own little slice of heaven in Lock K and um, see friends and, and see uh, various temple characters that I that I see six or seven times a year well Andy that sounds like a great plan to me hopefully temple does come out and 
fire, uh, like you said, 42-10 would be awesome. Even 31-7, as I said, would be much better improvement than last week. Um, but it will be good to see. Uh, I'll see you down there, and it'll be good to see some other guys down there as well. All right? Agreed. Take care, Sean. Thanks, Andy, and appreciate you doing this and uh, explaining to everybody the, the tough fund and everybody. If you are listening to this immediately, if you don't know what it is, go find the link. I'll tweet it out um and and go do our part all right and i'll, and I'll say it's tough t-u-f-f dash fund.com um that's the website you can read all about it and uh there are several links on the page to click donate um nothing is too big or too small um if you want to see how uh if, if it can get too big run up the number and and I'll, I'll tell you if it's too big or not but um yeah tough t-u-f-f dash fund.com um, and, and we appreciate any, appreciate any any and all input, uh, comments, concerns, questions, um, uh, and we're excited to see where this goes. Awesome, and thank you guys. As always, I'll be back.